Hello and welcome to Living Hope. This is Pastor Staten, and I want to welcome everybody that is joining us today. A shout out to our E family, all of you that are joining us through the internet. I want to remind you every Sunday morning at 11 o'clock, you can join us live at tv.living. Well, thank you guys for at least following a little bit of direction this morning. Appreciate that. But while we uh, get started this morning, I do want to take an opportunity to thank our pastor, thank Pastor and Sister Valerie for allowing me to stand here. I'm not in the pulpit, but to at least stand here in this office this morning and minister. I give honor to him and our First Lady. I also give honor to now Pastor Jeff Roberts and Sister Roberts as well. And finally, but certainly not the least, I give honor to my wife. She's not here today. She's feeling a little under the weather. Pray for her this morning. But I definitely got the better end of the deal. Make sure you tell her that. When God brought us together. Amen. Amen. Glad to have my parents here, my mom and dad this morning too. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, please get it out for me this morning. Hopefully you brought them. We're going to read from the book of Ruth. And for those that know it, it's right after Judges. Right after the book of Judges. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, then Ruth. First and second Samuel or first and second Kings, first and second Samuel. All that Sunday school stuff right there. But if you're at the book of Ruth, chapter 1 this morning, if you're there, would you say amen? amen. Sister Naomi is going to help me out this morning, and we're, gonna make, we're not going to talk about her, but she's in this story this morning. Um, verse 15 says, and she said, this is Naomi speaking here. She says, behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. She's talking to Ruth here. She says, to her, return thou after thy sister-in-law. In verse 16, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For where you go, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God, my God. Next verse, where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. What a commitment from Ruth to Naomi. Verse 18, and when she saw, when Naomi saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, the Bible says, then she left speaking unto her. Amen. Would you put your Bibles down this morning? Would you lift up a hand and pray this morning? Lord, I thank you. For your word, God, I pray, Lord, help us today, God, to grow, God, help us to grow closer to one another, grow closer to you, God. Draw us deeper, Lord, draw us into closer relationship with you. Help us, God, to love one another, help us to become more like you, Jesus. And if anybody desires that this morning, would you say amen? Amen. And you may be seated this morning. The title of my lesson is very simple. I'd like to teach on true friendship. True friendship or friendship. Somebody say friends. Come on, say it again. Friends. How many of us have them? Some of y'all know that, that song. 
I grew up with a father who was a DJ, so I have a whole lot I can go to this morning, but you got a friend in me. Some of y'all only know that from Toy Story, but what about lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your what? Friend. I'll help you carry on. Y'all, thank you. I got a little amen corner over here helping me out this morning. I could go on and on thanks to my dad, who's a DJ. Um, I'll say it again. But better than those songs, I'm glad I can sing that I am a friend of God. And better off, he calls me friend. Amen. Anybody thankful for a friendship with the Lord? Amen. But I want to teach on, again, friendship this morning. And I'd really like to take a look at what true friendship looks like biblically. And obviously, when we read the Bible, there's a lot of friendships, a lot of relationships we can learn from all across the Bible. One day I could maybe see this, this lesson right here becoming a series of lessons, but you got friendships in the Bible like David and Jonathan. David was king and Jonathan was the son of the previous king, King Saul, but the Bible talks about they had a very close relationship. They had a friendship despite Jonathan's father wanting to kill David. David and Jonathan still had a kinship and friendship with one another. Also, the friendship between Jesus and his disciples. There's a whole lot that we can learn from their uh, conversations back and forth, how they treated one another. There's also Paul and Barnabas. We wouldn't have much of the New Testament today if it wasn't for Barnabas. Paul is the famous writer of most of the New Testament, but if it hadn't been for Barnabas, we wouldn't probably have heard anything at all from Paul also, there's a relationship between Paul and Timothy we can learn from. Elijah and Elisha we can learn from. There's even parallels when we think about the relationship between Jesus and us, right? There's a whole lot we can go into there. But the friendship I want to talk about this morning, the friendship I want to glean from this morning, is the friendship between Naomi and Ruth. How many appreciate the friendships that you do have? Anybody? Anybody thankful for the friends that you do have? If you're not thankful, you really should be thankful this morning. But I found a couple quotes that kind of talk about true friendship. One says from Clifton Fadiman, it says this, One measure of friendship consists not in the number of things friends can discuss, but in the number of things they need to no longer mention. Another quote says this, Ralph Waldo Emerson, he has two quotes here I'm going to read. He says, when friendships are real, they are not glass threads or frost work, but they are the solidest things we can know. He also said this, the glory of friendship is not in the outstretched hand, nor the kindly smile, nor the joy of companionship. It's in the spiritual inspiration that comes to one when he discovers that someone else believes in him and is willing to trust him. Two more quotes this morning. Al Bryant says this, most of us have business associates, casual acquaintances, occasional companions. Real friends, on the other hand, they are not so easy to acquire. Friendship rests upon more than accidental relationships 
or even association in a common task, its roots lie in the spiritual realm. That's what he had to say. And the last quote, many of us have probably heard it at some point, but great friends, truly great friends, they are hard to find, difficult to leave, and impossible to forget. How many would agree good friends are hard to find? Amen. Amen. Good friends are hard to find. True friends, better yet, faithful friends are even more so harder to find. We live in a world today where people judge one another based on the number of followers they have or the number of friends they have on social media. And to the older generation, you may say, That's, that doesn't make no sense, right? I don't use Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, whatever you want to call it today. Most of y'all probably, you, you overlooked that. For, for the younger generation, trust me, there is a very real thing. You'll be surprised how many people keep count of how many people are following them or how many people are friends with them. And the world makes it such a big deal when what we really should be concerned about are those that we see and talk to very, very closely. Those are the ones that really matter. This world is more concerned about the appearance of friendship than the actual relationship part of that friendship. And so I bring a question to you all this morning. What is true friendship? If you had to put it in your own words, how would you describe it? What would be a true friend to you? How would you word that or explain how that person means to you what they mean to you? What words would you use? What is true friendship? I just want you to think about that this morning. What does it look like? What does the interaction between both of those people look like? How many know some friends you treat differently than other friends? Hello? Right? You can say something to one friend and you say it to another friend. and Whoa, hold on now. Hold on now. What would you say? Say that. Run that by me one more time. One more game. Run it, run it by me one more time. But better yet, when you think about a true friend, how do those people, how do those people that come together to form that friendship, how do they treat one another? How do they respect one another? How do they, you know, interact with that person? And then lastly, what is the value in the true friendship? I hope to kind of answer all those questions as we look at this relationship between Naomi and Ruth. Many of you guys have read the story of Ruth, but the story is a great one. There's so much we can learn from Ruth's story. There's so much we can uh, relate to or rela relate with. One, Ruth is not a Jewish woman. She's not born into the children of Israel. She didn't grow up in a land where they learned every morning, you know, here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. She didn't grow up with that type of heritage. She was an outsider who came to know the Lord due to her relationship with Naomi. And that's important for all of us because on some level we can relate to Ruth. At one point, all of us were strangers to Jesus Christ. Amen? We didn't grow up learning how she learned. You know, some of y'all grew up in church, but all of us have had to have our own personal relationship with the Lord, just like Ruth had to grow and understand herself. Also in the story, in the book of Ruth, there is this theme of reconciliation and restoration that is throughout the whole book of Ruth. And so Ruth 
also is one of the few women mentioned by name in the lineage of Jesus Christ. She would be one of the great, 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 and keep going on, great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus. And if God can move through Ruth, the truth is he can do the same through us. And so let's take a look at the relationship between Ruth and Naomi to understand what true friendship looks like. Let's start at the beginning with this backstory. If you have your Bibles, Ruth chapter 1 and verse 1. How did Ruth and Naomi meet and what is the significance of their relationship? I'm going to read from the New Living Translation to kind of summarize this a little bit more for us. But it says that during this time in Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, judges ruled in Israel, and there came a severe famine across the land. And so there was a man from Bethlehem in Judah who left his home and went to live in the country of Moab. He took his wife and his two sons with them. The man's name in verse 2 was Elimelech. And his wife's name was Naomi. And they had two sons, Malon and Chilion. They were Ethrithites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they decided to live there. They were running from this famine because famine is bad. No one wants to live where there is no food. And so they ran from their home country and, and migrated over to Moab. And there Elimelech and Naomi raised their two sons, uh, Malon and Chilion. Verse 3, it says, And Elimelech died, and Naomi was left all alone to raise her sons. And in the next verse, those two sons would go on to marry Moabite women. One was named Orpah, and the other woman was named Ruth. So that's how this relationship formed. Ruth was Naomi's daughter-in-law. So 10 years goes by, and then both Malon and Chilion they pass away, and now Naomi is left alone without her two sons and without her husband. In verse 6, the Bible says, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord now was, the famine was over, essentially, where she grew up. And so the Lord was blessing the people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law get ready to leave Moab to go back to Naomi's homeland in Judah. In verse 7, with her, her two daughters-in-law, she gets ready to leave from Moab and go back to her home country. But on the way, in verse 8, it says, Naomi says to her two daughters-in-law, look, your husbands have passed away. My husband is also, he has passed away. Go back to your mother's home, she says, and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to me reward you for your faithfulness to sticking around with me when your husbands have passed away and my, husband's ha my husband has passed away. Go back to Moab. Go back to your family, Naomi tells her, or tells both her daughters-in-law. She says, may the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And then she kisses them goodbye, and they all broke down and wept. In verse 10, both Orpah and uh, Ruth decide that they don't want to go back to their home country. They want to stay with Naomi. The Bible says, and they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. Y'all see what's going on here. Naomi's, Naomi's like, go back home. You know, go back to your family. And those two said, no, we are going to stick it out with you. 
All right? And so uh, in the next verse, verse 11, Naomi replies to them, why should you go with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? I'm reading again from the New Levin translation. In verse 12, she tells them, no, my daughters, return to again. She's reiterating this, this whole conversation over and over again. Return to your parents' homes. I'm too old to marry again. And even if I could marry again, would you stay around for the sons that I could bear and wait for them to be your husbands? How many, would, how many of y'all women would wait around another, in America, another 18 years for a husband to grow up? Some of y'all young ladies are like, oh, no. Time is too precious. <laughs> right? So why, she says, would you wait for them to grow up in verse 13 when you could go back to your home country and find someone else to marry? It makes sense to us when we think about it, right? We're going we're gonna to talk about this a little bit. She says, would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course you wouldn't, my daughter, she says. Things are far more bitter for me than for you because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And so when we look at this interaction between Naomi and her daughters-in-law, there's, there's something that, and again, this is Sunday school this morning, there's something that we all have to understand what's going on with this interaction. All right, how many have ever heard of something called the Leverit or the Leverite vow? Does anybody? Raise your hand if you might have heard that. Thank you, Brother Roberts, Sister Roberts, Brother Henry. All right. So this vow was important to the children of Israel. And Naomi understood this. She understood this law. She was raised in a country where, again, this law was taught very early on. And so now she is essentially putting this law into effect in her conversation to Ruth and Orpah. And so now... This is a very important point that I need to bring up regarding what is happening here. And I need to mention it because it really sets the stage for the importance and significance of this relationship between Naomi and her daughters-in-law. All right, here's what this law meant. If a married man died without a son, then it was the responsibility of his brother to marry the widow. This practice, we can find in multiple places in the Old Testament. Genesis chapter 38, we can find it in this book of Ruth. And Deuteronomy chapter 25 details this law that Naomi is referencing here. And the purpose of this law was to prevent the loss of family property by the widow now going to marry someone else outside of the clan, right? So if, 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 the husband died. In order to keep the husband's name alive, the brother would marry the widow. If they had children, then that child will inherit everything from the husband that passed away. That was how the law was to be put into practice. So Elimelech, who has passed away, and Malon and Chilion, who have passed away, understand that Naomi doesn't have any more sons. She doesn't have, she's not, she's too old to get another husband. So she's talking to them about this law because there's nothing Naomi can do for them. So she's saying, go back to your homeland because I can't keep this law in effect. Everybody understand that, what's going on here. <clears throat> so now with that understanding of the Leverett law, you can better understand this dialogue that's going on. Go back to verse 8 for me. 
Naomi, and this, here we go, read it one more time. Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, go return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grants you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her own husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, surely we will return with thee unto thy people. So this is where we run into, and this is the first point I want to bring up this morning. This is the first barrier to true friendship. If I could put it this way, here's the first barrier to true friendship. Are your friendships really genuine? Is it a true friendship that you have with this person? Is it honest? Is it natural even? Or is your relationship just one of obligation? I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. Because understand, Orpah and Ruth, they had an obligation to stay with Naomi. Naomi's job was to provide them with a new husband. But realize what's going on here. Naomi can't keep her obligation to her daughters-in-law. So multiple times she is telling them, go. Go find a husband with your own people because I cannot keep this obligation with you. And so that's the first barrier that we can find in relationships and friendships. Are you friends with that person you call friend out of obligation because you feel you need to be their friend? Or do you have a friendship with them because it's genuine, because it's honest, because you care about that person and they care about you? Is your friendship deeper than that? And let me be honest with you. Some of us, the only friendships we have are friends we just feel obligated to be around. Friends we feel obligated to quote unquote put up with. How many have that family member that you don't want to see them at Thanksgiving time, but you know they're coming anyway. So there's an obligation there to be hospitable to them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Y'all act like y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but every one of y'all, Thanksgiving is coming around soon. You know what I'm talking about. All right? We all have these friends that we feel an obligation to. But is that true friendship? I want to challenge you this morning. Is that really true friendship or is it material? Is it superficial? Where is the depth of that relationship? Is it shallow or is it, does it have roots in it? Okay? Let's talk about, let's flip the script and, and take it to our relationship with the Lord. Is it one of obligation? Are you just coming to church because you feel obligated to come to church? Do you pray because you feel obligated to pray? Or are you praying because you want to pray? Are you praying because you want to develop that relationship with the Lord? Or are you doing it out of obligation? A lot of times when the test and the storm comes, that's where we, we understand if we're really genuinely in our relationship with the Lord or if it's shallow and it's built out of obligation. I pray for every one of us this morning that it is deeper and stronger than that. Naomi, as the re remaining matriarch of this family, is obligated to take care of her daughters-in-law. But with her husband and two sons dead, she finds herself without an heir to give to either of them. So this is significant because now Naomi is letting Orpah and Ruth out of their obligation. She's giving them a way out. She's like, look, take your opportunity now. 
I understand if you don't want to stay with me. I understand if you don't want to keep this friendship with me because I can't keep up my side of the obligation. She is giving them an out. Again, she tells them, go back to their parents' home. Maybe you can find a husband there. You're no longer obligated to follow after me. But what we can see at this level, Orpah and Ruth, their relationship sort of kind of passes the test. The Bible says they decide to stay with Naomi. So now let's look again at verse 11. With their decisions made up, now Naomi says to them, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, she says, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Again, repeatedly, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say and I have hope, if I should have a husband also tonight and should also bear sons, will you tarry for them till they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And look here, and they lifted up their voice, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. Here's the second barrier to true friendship. First, Naomi lets both women out of the obligation that they might have to stay with her. We know both women decide to stick it out. Maybe their friendship to Naomi at this point is stronger than the obligation that they may feel towards her. But after repeatedly Naomi telling them to go back to their family, we run into their second obstacle. The second obstacle or barrier to true friendship is expectation. Expectation. Somebody say expectation. How many hate it when you fail to meet someone's expectation? It's a hard place to be. You feel like you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. There's nowhere to go. You just have let somebody down. No one likes to feel that. And Naomi is clear in this moment that that's exactly what she is feeling. In verse 11, she plainly asked them, why would you want to go with me? What do you expect to gain from me in this friendship? Because I can't give you what you want. I'm too old to get another husband, we know. Even if I did get another husband, are you going to wait around, like we said earlier, for years on the slim chance that I might have another son? Live your life. Go back to your family. You're better off finding what you're looking for with them. I can't meet your expectations. So why would you want to be friends with me? How many have friends that maybe have walked away because you just didn't meet their expectations? They thought you were something that you weren't, maybe. Or they thought you could give them what they were looking for, but you couldn't. And so that friendship was divided or that friendship was ended. And Naomi is very clear here. Look, whatever you are expecting from me, I cannot give that to you. No more. She couldn't meet their expectations. So for the second time, she's giving them an out of this friendship. I want to challenge someone this morning. Are your friendships based on expectation? Are you connected to somebody simply because they can give you something? Or just because you can gain something out of that relationship, that's the reason why you're connected to that person. Let's be honest. 
We all have people that we're connected to because there's something we can gain from them. You want to test that friendship, why don't you go in your boss's office tomorrow and say, hey, I want to raise and see how that happens when he don't meet your expectation. Hello. We all have friendships or people that we deal with on a daily basis that they fail to meet our expectations. Maybe even this morning, they fail to meet your expectations. Unfortunately, this second barrier is such a common roadblock for a lot of people. Many of us in here have had friends walk away, and it's been hard. It's been sad because we couldn't give them what they needed or what they wanted. It's hurtful and disappointing, but it's so, so common in our world. And I pray that no one ever has to go through with it, but the likelihood is slim. There's a whole lot of examples in the Bible, and I wish I had time this morning, but I can think of Leah and, and uh, what was the other wife to Jacob? And Rachel, right? Leah had many children with Jacob, right? And all along, she keeps having children because she wants that relationship that Jacob has with the other sister. And eventually, she has to get to the point where I don't care anymore about that relationship that I'm missing out on. God, I just want you to bless me. That Eventually, she gets to that point. And all of us, sometimes we get attached to people that we just want them to give us something, and all along, it's not theirs to give. All along, it's not their responsibility to meet that expectation in our lives. But we get our hopes so high, and then we get left feeling low, honestly, because we're trusting in the wrong thing. We need to be trusting in God to provide those things instead of trusting in that other person. Hopefully, your relationship with the Lord goes beyond just obligation and expectation. It's hard to have that kind of outlook, though. But I want to tell you, if the Lord never does anything else for me, he has done enough. He has done enough. I'll still serve him. I'll still have a relationship with him, even if he doesn't do anything else for me. And I'll be honest, that's a hard type of faith to have. I can tell you many times it's been tested. And I guarantee you I'm going to have to go through the test again. But many people sometimes have a superficial relationship with the Lord based on expectation. All is good with God when he's pouring out blessings. Hello, somebody. When money's in the bank, when our health is good, when our job is going good, it's easy to continue walking with the Lord then. But when mountains and situations arise in our life that we don't like, when God doesn't heal us from that sickness, when God doesn't provide what we think we want or we feel like he needs to provide, how is your expectation then? Has it been kept or you just been expecting God to do something and we don't like his answer sometimes? And so many people decide to walk away from the Lord because, believe it or not, when God lets us face the trial rather than deliver us from the trial, that's when our faith is tested. That's when the relationship with the Lord is tested. And whether you're going to stick it out with him or are you going to walk away. And unfortunately, many people decide to walk away. But just like, or I'll say living hope, our relationship, our friendship with the Lord 
It has to go beyond those barriers. It has to go beyond just obligation. And it has to go beyond just expectation. When you look at this story, Orpah, after she's given the out of obligation, she decides to stick with it. But after she realizes the expectation can't be kept with Naomi, Orpah decides to go back to her family. She decides to go when she realizes she'll never get what she wants. But we must be like Ruth and let our friendships be friendships based out of love. The Bible says that Ruth clave to Naomi. When obligation was thrown out the window, when expectation was thrown out the window, other translations say she clung tightly to her. She followed her all the more. She abided with Naomi even when she knew Naomi couldn't give her what she was looking for. When offered a chance to freely leave and be free from both obligation and expectation, Ruth decides to get closer to Naomi rather than farther away. I want to challenge someone this morning when you're walking with God, when you get past that point of obligation, when you get past that point of expectation, the thing is you don't have to move further away from God. You need to move closer to God. In times where we feel left out, in times where we feel like God has maybe let us down, that's not the time to allow the enemy to play havoc with your life and make you want to get further from God. No, what you need to do is get closer and closer and closer and clave unto him, cling unto him all the more. Amen. Now, if you can turn your Bible to verse 15 in this chapter. And she says, this is the opening text we read. Naomi tells her daughters-in-law, or tells Ruth, sorry, in this case. She says, behold, your sister-in-law has made up her mind. She's gone back to her people and her gods. Last time, return just, and go do just like your sister-in-law. And Ruth says in verse 16, and if I could pick a verse to really define what true friendship looks like, this is the one. And Ruth says, don't ask me anymore to leave you or to go back to where I came from. Because where you go, I'm going to go. Where you lodge, I'm going to lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. When thy diest, will I die, and there will I be buried. Whatever the Lord does, let him do it unto me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. What a powerful declaration of friendship, of relationship. We can clearly see that Ruth isn't sticking this situation out with Naomi because she feels obligated to do so. Her response goes beyond whatever expectations have come and gone in this relationship Ruth is with Naomi no matter the circumstance, good or bad. Her mind has been made up, and she isn't going to leave her mother-in-law. How many want to be a friend like Ruth? Anybody? How many want a Ruth-like friend in your life that's going to stick it out with you through the ups and the downs and the good and the bad? And when you can't meet their obligations, when you can't meet their expectations, they're still going to cling on to you in love. Now, do me a favor, Sister Naomi. Can you bring verse 16 up again? 
I want to show you something that was a revelation to me the first time I heard it. And I must take a moment and thank Pastor Tim Coots this morning because uh, he's the one who revealed this to me. But how many remember the Coots family? Right? Awesome people. We love. We miss them. Amen. I was just out in Bremerton and got to see them. But look at verse 16. At first glance, this response from Ruth, it sounds great. It sounds amazing. How many would want a friend of yours to say these words to you? We all would. Right? It's great. And if I were Naomi, I would love again to have these words spoken to me. I know I have a few Bible scholars in here this morning. But how many... And I'm going to deviate real quick as I make this point. How many love the word of God? Amen. It's awesome. The inspired word of God is so powerful, so perfect, so complete. And I want to preface what I'm about to say with this. There's not a single error that I know of, nor can I find anywhere when I search this Bible. It's consistent. It is the inspired word of God. Yes, it was written by mankind. Man had to put pen to paper. But there is no way mankind could have written such a complete book without an error from front to back. I'm talking prophecies. I'm talking types and shadows. From Genesis to Revelation, there's not a single error. This book was written over the course of hundreds of years, thousands of years ago, and the word still works. It's still true today. Amen? Every promise in this book is going to come to pass. Can I get an amen on that? However, what I'm going to say here, I want to preface all that. And Brother Roberts, you are free to correct me if I am wrong this morning. The original word of God was written in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language. And the New Testament was written in the Greek. How many know what language we speak? English. We don't even speak right English. We speak American English. Y'all laughing, but... I challenge y'all, read this Bible, that these and thou's, and thou should not, and thou wilt not. That's proper English that we don't speak today. You guys understand that. This word, this person begat that person and begat that person. What does begat mean? Why can't they just say this person had a son and that person had a son? it, It gets difficult to understand sometimes, right? The point I want to make is oftentimes to add meaning to what was written in the Bible Our language doesn't have the same words that would be what correlates word to word in Hebrew or word to word in Greek. So in some cases, we have to use a different word or we have to use a collection of words to match what a single word in Hebrew or Greek may mean and vice versa. Sometimes there's a single word in Hebrew that means multiple words in our language. Everybody understand that? It doesn't mean that the word of God is wrong, though. It just means when this word was translated to the King James Version, which is what we like to read, the translator, to the best of their ability, used words that we all can understand. And so in Ruth chapter 1 and verse 16, this is one of those verses where, for us English folks, this slight wording has been added to enhance the translation. If I were to read this verse... In our language, how it was originally written in Hebrew, this is how it would sound. And if you don't get anything else I say this morning, this is the point I'd like you to get, okay? And Ruth said, entreat me, don't ask me to leave from leaving you. Or returning back to my parents' house, 
Don't ask me not to follow you anymore. For where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Listen here. If it was written in Hebrew, it would say, thy people, my people. Thy God, my God. Everyone notice the slight difference there. There's a very, very slight difference, a subtle difference. And in the English, we like to add future tense to this phrase. Where you go, I will eventually go. Where you lodge, I will eventually lodge. Thy people shall eventually be my people. That's how we would interpret it in our English, but that's not how it was written. It was written, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Thy people, my people. Thy God, my God. And Ruth was saying this to Naomi, and it's very important that we catch this. Ruth is saying, already your people are my people. Already your God is my God. Ruth already believed in Naomi's God. Her trust wasn't in Naomi to meet her obligation or to meet her expectation. Her trust was in Naomi's God because Naomi's God had become her God. That's why she was staying with her mother-in-law. Come on, somebody. I hope you get that this morning. It doesn't matter if that person can meet my obligation. It doesn't matter if I know they can't meet my needs. I am not deciding to keep this friendship based upon that person. I'm deciding to keep this friendship because we serve the same God. And that's more important than anything else. Amen. Amen. It doesn't matter if the person can meet your needs. That isn't why I'm connecting myself to you in the first place. I'm connecting myself because my God is your God. It was this belief in the Lord that was the core of Ruth's friendship with Naomi. And so I have to ask this question this morning. Has anyone ever wanted a connection to God because of their friendship with me? Has anyone wanted a connection of God because of their connection to you? Or are they friends with you for a different reason? Obligation? Expectation? Maybe you're just cool to hang around? I don't know. Man, how much would this world change if people wanted to grow closer to God because of the friendships we have with one another? How would our church look right now if our friendships had such an impact amongst one another? How much stronger would our church be? How much stronger would our friendships be if that was the real reason why we clung to one another so closely? If we stopped letting our obligations and expectations be the glue that holds our friendships together, but instead let our connection to God be what builds those relationships up. And the truth is, Ruth, in this scenario, she had a whole lot of things going against her. She lost a husband. Her sister-in-law has decided to go back to where she came from, so she doesn't even have that connection. Naomi's telling her outright, there's nothing else I can do to give you what you want. 
and her mother-in-law is moving back to a country where, believe it or not, Ruth would be an outcast. She wasn't born as a Hebrew woman. She was born as, if you read your Bible, Moab was an enemy to Israel. So they would look at her with disdain. They would look at her and say, you don't belong here. But Ruth decided to follow Naomi anyhow. Ruth saw God in Naomi, and she wanted that same connection with God in her own life. And what was really going on was she was putting her trust in the Lord, not her trust in Naomi. Please stand with me as I come to a close this morning. Friendship is important. We all have friends. I want to challenge someone this morning to trust God, even in your friendships. More than trusting in the faithfulness of that friend, you can trust in the faithfulness of God. Trusting God, listen here, trusting God will allow you to release people from having to play God in your life. It will. If you trust in him, it don't matter what that person does to you. It doesn't matter if they hurt you. It doesn't matter if they talk about you. It doesn't matter if they fail to meet your expectation. Something comes out later where you're like, man, I, I never would have thought that person would do that to me. If you put your trust in God and not in man, that's what really matters. Because God will work everything else out in the end. Stop trusting others to give you what only God can give you. Amen. Believe it or not, most of y'all know the end of the story. Ruth would go on to marry Boaz. She would find another husband that God would provide for her through restoration and reconciliation throughout Naomi and this family. She couldn't have found that any other place than just God providing that for her. But still, she decided to be a true friend to Naomi when she knew Naomi had no way of working that out for her. And so here's the last verse I want to I talk about real quick in closing. Ruth, verse 1 and verse 18. After Ruth responds to Naomi saying, your God is my God and your people are my people, the Bible says Naomi was speechless. The Bible says it in those words, she left speaking unto her. But Naomi realized there was nothing else she could say. There was no other words she could do to convince Ruth otherwise. She was left speechless. And I don't know about you, but when I think about how God has been a friend to me, I'm left speechless. Because he's done so much. I've... I've I can't tell you how many times I have failed to meet the expectations that I can imagine I could meet with the Lord. But he has been faithful to me anyway. And when I think about his love and I think about his faithfulness, I have no words to express how good he has been to me. He leaves me speechless. Anybody glad that he calls you friend? He knows the number of hairs on your head. He knows exactly what you're going through today. It doesn't make sense to us. Some of us have friends that we can count on. And if I asked you, like I asked you before, how would you describe that friendship? Some of y'all don't have words. 
because that friend has been more to you than you could ever imagine that person has been to you. But even more than that friend has been, God has been even better to us. And so as we close out this morning, can we lift up our voices, lift up our hands, and just praise God for how good he's been as a friend to us this morning. Come on, why don't you lift your voice and give him praise this morning. God, we praise you, Lord. God, because you've been so faithful, God. You've been so good to us, God. Every time, God, I have failed you, Lord, you have still loved me, God. You have picked me up, God, every time I have fallen, Lord, and you've been a true friend to me, God. God, I pray today, Lord, as we close this morning and begin to go into worship, God, God, let our friendships, God, be friendships, Lord, where we trust in you no matter what. God, our trust isn't in that person. It isn't in our obligations or our expectations, God, but our true trust, our true friendship is built upon our relationship we have with you. And if you believe that, would you clap your hands this morning as we close in Jesus' name. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.